Hello, thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you and God bless. morning. This morning we come to the fourth lesson in our sermon series, The Gospel According to Michael Jackson. Uh, Some of you may wonder why it is that we have that lesson topic and the reason for it being, as I've stated before, for the whole month of June we're doing a a one-word series, the 2019 one-word series, and our theme this year is God and my iPod, right? We remember what iPods are, right? It's called God and My iPod, The Playlist of Life. And so what we've asked from our guest speakers is to choose a song and then present God's message through the song. And so on every Sunday of the month of June, I've chosen to take from my favorite artist uh, songs from him to describe the gospel message, to describe the gospel message. And, And so far... Uh, we've we've covered a, a lot of topics. Uh, the first set sermon that we went through uh, for this sermon series, we used the song title, We Are the World. We Are the World. We all remember the song that he wrote. But in this message uh, that we used for the song topic, We Are the World, it was explained that how God had created humanity to be a unique creation. Uh, God created humankind in order for the purpose of being in his image and living in harmony with him and also to take care of creation the way that God would. Uh, But what happened was, as we were supposed to have dominion over creation, we ended up allowing creation to have dominion over us. And uh, that's where God's goodness, the things that he created that he called good, that's where it became distorted. Uh, when we look at creation having dominion over us, it's not just external things that I speak of. There are certain things that are in creation today that have dominion over us. Some of us have alcoholism that has dominion over us. Some of us have uh, men and women, uh, whether it be in adultery or fornication, that have dominion over us. And sometimes us as created beings. We are in charge of us instead of allowing God to be in charge of us. So a lot of created things have dominion over us, and we must be the things that God called good and be in his image. And so we looked at how God intended for creation to be, and the second week we talked about the smooth criminal. Now, we remember that song Michael Jackson made when he was leaning forward in his white suit, but in this lesson where we talked about the smooth criminal, we were talking about that serpent in the garden, the crafty serpent in the garden, and how that serpent works on all of our desires. And each and every person in here has a desire. 
There's nothing wrong with desires, but when those desires don't match up with the will of God, that's where the problem comes in. And so the desires that we have, whenever they don't match up with the will of God, and we want to engage in them, that's what's called temptation. And when we act on temptation, that's where sin happens. And so the smooth criminal knows how sin works. He is the one who wants to cause chaos. He is the one who wants to tell God that you're not good enough to be with him. And so that smooth criminal uses those desires that we have and, 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 and puts them in front of us to tempt us and so that we'll act on them. And what happens is, is when we act on temptation and when we engage in sin, sin brings forth death. And God did not create us as dead beings. And I want you to know and understand, as I stated in week number two, is that the smooth criminal always has an accomplice when it comes to sin. And that accomplice is usually us. He doesn't act alone. The devil doesn't make you do it, right? And so when we looked at that from the, the standpoint of God creating all of creation and him stating that everything was good, us failing in that, there was a problem. There was a problem, and there was a problem that we could not fix. And so the whole world in sin could not fix itself. And so what God did was he had his son Jesus come from the majesty of heaven in the form of a man. And in the third week, we talked about the sermon, Heal the World. And I hope that you guys are taking notes on the, uh, the bulletins that you have here because this, is, this sermon today is going to put all of this together, okay? We talked about God's message to the world and how it would heal the world. And that message is what? The gospel the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He died. He was buried and he rose again from the dead. And with us as Christians being in Christ, we follow that same path in being able to be raised from the dead. Death does not have power over us any longer. But today in this fourth week sermon, we're going to look at the topic of, I want you back. Now, some of us are not old enough to remember when this song came out. But this song was recorded in 1969. I, I've never seen 1969, but some of you have. But this young man, Michael Jackson, he sings this song, and he's singing about love. And he's 11 years old, so I doubt if he really knew what love was about. But somebody wrote this for him. This was the only one in the series they didn't write. He states in the second verse of the song, he says, Trying to live without your love is one long sleepless night. Let me show you, girl, that I know wrong from right. Every street you walk on, I leave tear stains on the ground, following the girl I didn't even want around. Oh, baby, give me one more chance. Won't you please let me back in your heart? Oh, darling, I was blind to let you go. But now since I see you in his arms, I want you back. And it is in that that we have this last lesson framed because it is that in which we go through as human beings because it's not the case where God has ever said, I don't want you. But we all come to a point to where we, like that 11-year-old Michael Jackson, we see what we let go of and we say, man, that really was a good thing that I had. God is a good God. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is omniscient, omnipresent, everywhere at the same time. God is all of these things. And for me to turn my back on God, there comes a point in my life where I get tired of living in sin. And I say to God, I want you back. 
I want back that relationship that we used to have. I want back that love and that fellowship that we used to have. But because of sin, because of sin, we're separated from God. And so we ask ourselves the question, but how? How can we get back right in relationship with God? And that's where we go to God's word. But let's turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bibles this morning, say amen. If you're using the Pew Bibles, I believe that it is on page 535. There's Bibles in the back of your chair, and I believe it's on page 535. Can I get that page number? 535? Okay, thank you. 535. Now, let me frame this for you as you're turning there. That's New Testament, okay? Let me frame what's going on here. This is 50 days after Jesus had died, right? 50 days after that day. Everybody had went home because they were celebrating that day because it was Passover. So they come for this festival. Jesus had already rose from the dead. Jesus had already appeared in the room with them. Y'all remember when they were sitting in the room thinking Jesus was dead and then he just popped up? He didn't use the door. He just appeared in the room. That had happened already. It already happened. Judas was gone. He had killed himself. They had already replaced Judas. And Jesus had told them before he went back to heaven, he told them, I want you to stay in Jerusalem because something special is about to happen. And so there was another festival that was to occur 50 days after Passover, and this was the day of Pentecost. And so all of these people who might have been there for Passover came back to Jerusalem. All these people from all these different nations and different countries, they would come together to celebrate the Feast of Weeks. They were celebrating what God had done in their lives and what he was going to do, and they had no idea what was about to happen. God was about to send the Holy Spirit and prepare a way for them to be back right with him. And so Peter, as he always does, being outspoken, the Holy Spirit comes into the room in Acts chapter 2, verses number, verse number 14. The Bible reads what? What does it say? Peter stood up with the eleven. It says Peter stood up with the eleven. Raised his voice. He raised his voice as he always does. Sometimes he says good things, sometimes he says bad things. But we know how that goes, right? And proclaimed to them. And he proclaims to them. Fellow Jews and uh, all you residents of Jerusalem. All right. Let me explain this to you. Right. And pay attention to my words. He says pay close attention to what I'm about to say. For these people are not drunk. Now, pause right there. I need you to understand that the reason why they thought that they were drunk is because there was people there from many different nations speaking different languages, but the Holy Spirit had given, given them the ability for all people to understand. Everybody understood in their own language. They said, these dudes got to be drunk, right? Because they can't speak different languages. They just regular folks just like you and me. And Peter says, no, it's not the case. We are drunk, as you suppose. Keep going. Since it's only nine in he the says, morning. it's too early to be drinking. All right? Verse number 16. On the contrary. On the contrary. This is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. So Peter, he begins this, this sermon on Sunday morning, the 50th day after. And he says, this is what the prophet Joel was talking about when he was prophesying about this day. 
Joel chapter 2. Let's go to the next slide. Joel chapter 2. That's Old Testament right there. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 32. Let's look at this. Say amen when you get there. All right, they're still amen. turning. So we're going to wait, okay? <laughs> we're going to wait because I need for you to see this because Joel, he was given the ability to see what was about to happen. Something special is about to happen here. And I need for you to understand that God never stopped warning you. God never stopped warning you. When we stopped warning God, when we decided to live our lives how we wanted to live them in the way that we wanted to live them, living on God on sometimes, depending on God sometimes, and backing away from him at other times, God never stopped warning you. We stopped warning God. So those times whenever you stopped thinking that you were good enough, those times when you didn't think that you lived up to God's standard, he still wanted you. When you didn't think that you were good enough, he still wanted you. And so the prophet Joel, say amen if you're there. Amen. Keep your finger. I should have told you to keep your finger in Acts because we're going to get back to Acts in just a second. Joel chapter 2, verse number 28. The Bible reads this. After this, after this, I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. This is God. He's saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all humanity. Now, up until this point, you had to be a special person or a blameless person or someone who was distinguished or through a certain family line in order to be of God and to be one of his messengers. But he said, on this day, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all humanity. That means it doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, Latino, Chinese, whatever. It doesn't matter who you are, male or female. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all humanity. Keep going. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Then your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Keep going. Your old men will have dreams. Keep going. And your young men will see visions. Keep going. I will 29. even pour out my spirit. On the male and female slaves in those days. He says it is not going to matter if you're a man or a woman, if you're poor or rich, if you have slaves or don't have slaves. He said, I'm pouring it out on everybody. There won't be anybody that won't be good enough to have the spirit of God in those days. Verse number 30. I will display wonders. He said, I will display wonders. This is how you know that it's the time. He says, when the time comes and how you know that this is the time, I'm going to display wonders. Keep going. On the male and females, in the heavens and on the earth. In the heavens and on the earth. Blood. And now let me tell you, hold up. Let me tell you this. God did exactly this on his day. I want you to understand that when Jesus died on the cross, it gave access for everyone to be in relationship with God. When at one time, only the high priest can go into the most holy of holies and be in the presence of God. And they had to be bathed. They had to wear certain clothing. And only the descendants of Aaron can go in there. Not everybody could go in and they had to be children of Israel. They had to be Israelites. Remember the garden? And remember how I said that God was walking with them in the garden? That's close relationship. But at this point, man was messed up so bad that only certain people could be in relationship with God. Pay attention to that as we go through with this. When Jesus dies, the sky turns dark. The earth shakes. Dark in the middle of the day. And the veil that separated the Holy of Holies where God dwelt in the temple, the veil was torn. 
to where before you couldn't even see inside of that thing. But now the veil was torn and God was open for the whole world. But we still have a question as to how. Keep reading this here. In heavens and on the earth, uh -huh. blood, fire, and columns of smoke. All right. The sun will be turned to darkness. The sun will be turned to darkness. And the moon to blood. All right. Before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. All right. Verse 32. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord now will right be saved. Now right here, he says, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now I want you to understand that when he says this in Joel, when Joel the prophet says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, this doesn't mean that you just say, Lord, and then it happens. What he means right here is that anyone who asks God for help, anyone who says, I don't know what to do, I don't have this thing figured out, and I need for somebody to help make sense of this thing, it says that, those people who call on God for this help will be saved in this day. Remember that. Keep reading. For there will be an escape. There will be, be an escape. For those on Mount Zion uh -huh. and in Jerusalem, All right. as the Lord promised. Okay. Among the survivors, the Lord called. All right. Now, take your finger and turn back to Acts chapter 2, verse number 17. Acts 2, verse number 17. And it... 217. What does the Bible say there? And it will be in the last days. Says and it God. will be in the last days. This is Peter when he's quoting that what we just read. And it will be in those last days, says God, uh -huh. that I will pour out my spirit. Verse number 17. On all people. Okay. okay. He then said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. All right. Your young men will see visions. Okay. And your old men will dream dreams. Keep going. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants he's, in those he's, days. He's, he's reading from the book of Joel. Come on. Both men and women, uh -huh. and they will prophesy. Verse I will 19. display wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Okay. Blood, fire, and a cloud of smoke. All right. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood All right. before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Verse 21. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter just word for word went from Joel. He's quoting scripture when he gives this sermon on this day. And I want to show you something here in Luke chapter 23. This is what happens whenever Jesus died. Luke chapter 23. Go to that next slide right there, Dayton. 23, verse number 44, it says, it was about noon, right? Now, y'all know what noon looked like. Some of y'all was outside cutting your grass yesterday at noon. Noon is bright. But when Jesus died, it says it was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until 3 o'clock. For three hours, the whole earth was dark. Remember, it was talking about the signs and wonders in the heavens? This is the day that they was talking about. That Joel was talking about. This was the start of something new to where God was going to pour out his spirit. Verse number 45 says, because the sun's light failed, the curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle. Holy of holies open. Access to God open. But we still have the question as to how. We still have the question as to how. Well, judgment and salvation will come to Israel. And what this means for us today is that the same still applies. Judgment and salvation is coming to this world today. Judgment and salvation is still coming. God is still going to judge the world, but he still gives access to himself. 
in between time, God is giving an opportunity for all mankind to decide, what will I do? What am I going to do? God is putting that on us. What are we going to do? What, what are we going to do with what God has given us access to? We have a choice, but there is something that we must understand. We have a problem that we can't fix. Y'all hear that? We, not, not you, we have a problem that we can't fix by ourselves, and that is a sin problem. We can't do anything to fix sin. If my button falls off my shirt, I can sew it back on. That's a problem I can work with. If my, my trash can blows over and all the trash blows in my yard, I can go fix that. If I need to change my oil, I can even do that. But the problem of sin, I can't fix. You can't fix. There are things that we struggle with in our life, and we don't want to do them. Have you been at that point in your life to where you struggle with something that you know that God was not happy with, and you still do it? And you ask yourself after you do it, why did I just do that? You can't fix that by yourself. You can't fix that by yourself. It's not in some self-help book. It's not through the mouths of your friends. Only God can fix that. We have a problem that we can't fix. That's one that you ought to write down. We have a problem that we can't fix. But God always, 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 when we have a problem, presents to us an answer to the problem. Let us look at verse number 22 of Acts chapter 2. Let's read that there. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. What does the Bible say? Fellow Israelites. It says, fellow Israelites. Listen to these words. Peter stands up. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God. All right. Miracles, wonders, he says, and signs. This Jesus Christ, y'all remember that man from 50 days ago? He was proven to be who he said he was. He was proven to be who he said he was. And that's what's going to be important for us to remember is that Jesus is who he said he was. Pay attention to what he says. He said he's attested to you by God through what? Miracles, wonders, Miracles, and signs. wonders and signs. Come that on. God did among you through him. Uh-huh. Just as you yourself know. Uh-huh. Though he was delivered up according to God's though they handed him over. Knowledge. Listen, they handed him over, but it was according to God's plan. God didn't allow to happen what wasn't supposed to happen. He allowed for Jesus to be handed over. Jesus allowed for himself to be handed over. Listen to what happened. Jesus being God allowed the creation to hand him over to, for death. He was delivered up according to what? God's determined plan and foreknowledge. He said, you use lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. <laughs> People who were in sin, people who were evil, nailed him to a cross and killed him. And then verse 24 says that he didn't just stay dead. What happened? God raised him up. It says that God raised him up. Ending the pains of death. Because Doing what? Be ending the pains ending of death. Ending the pains of death. Because it was not possible. It was not possible. For him to be held Remember by as death. we learned in week number one and two. That the outcome of sin is death. And because Jesus lived without sin, death could not keep him dead. And so Jesus is a bad dude. 
God said, I want you back so bad. I'm willing to send my sinless son down here. Have him live a sinless life. Have him take on the pain and the persecution that you should be going through. So that you could be saved. So it says, God raised him up in the pain of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. Peter goes on and he keeps on preaching. He says, Jesus already proved who he said he was. But verse 25, he starts to quote from David, King David. What does King David say here? For David says to him. For David says to him. This is what David said back in the day. He says, David said this. What does David say? I saw the Lord ever before me. Now, David speaks these words. And remember that I told you when it comes to prophecy, prophecy is like you, you ever go out to Belton Lake or to, to a pond or something and you skip rocks across the water. Y'all see what happens when you throw a rock in the water? Just ripples, right? And prophecy works just like that. Prophecy has a meaning in its time, whereas one ripple. And this right here meant something to David in his time. But then there was another ripple that comes along, and this is describing Jesus. David says these words right here. What does he say? Because he is at my right now, hand. Now start off from the beginning again. He says, I saw the Lord ever before me. He saw the Lord ever before me. I saw the Lord and remember that the Lord is someone who has power over somebody else, someone who is in charge, someone telling someone else what it is that they need to do, right? I saw the Lord ever before me. Because he is at my right hand. And that's talking about the, the position of power. Being at someone's right hand is at the position of power, right? That's why some of our wives always stand at our right hand because they got the power, right? Mm. Brothers didn't say nothing. Because he is at my right hand. I Come will on. not be shaken. He says, I will not be shaken. Keep Therefore, reading. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Uh-huh. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope. He says, I'm happy and my flesh will rest in hope. David says these words right here, but what does he say? Because you will not abandon me in Hades. Now, I want you to understand before we move forward that Hades was an idea that they had of where these people went when they died. And what David speaks right here, he says, I'm not going to be in the place where people go when they die. I'm not going to be in the place where people go when they die. This is what David says. David is not Jesus Christ. He is going to stay dead when he dies. Keep reading. Or allow your holy ones to see decay. He says, or allow your Holy One to see decay. That means his flesh is not going to rot. All right? Keep, keep, keep you, paying attention. You, you have revealed the path of life to me. He said, you have revealed the path of life to me. You will fill me with gladness uh -huh. in your presence. Keep going. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. Uh -huh. He is both dead and buried. He's still, Peter says, he's still dead. He's still buried. And his tomb is and with us And his tomb is day. with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, Keep reading. he knew that God sworn an oath to him uh -huh. to seat one of his descendants on his throne. Come on. Seeing what was to come, uh -huh. he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. Uh -huh. He was not abandoned in Hades. He was not abandoned to Hades. did not experience decay. So he says right here that David wasn't talking about David. David's still in his tomb. He started to decay, but there was somebody who was dead for three days and then got up. Their flesh didn't see the cave. And it says that this person was the Messiah. Now, when you see Messiah in your Bibles, I want you to understand that in the Greek, it's the same word that they use for Christ. It is Christos. 
And this simply means the anointed one, the one who was chosen for a specified purpose. And that is Jesus Christ. Jesus, the chosen anointed one to die for each and every person's sin. Because God never stopped warning you. Because God knew that one day you would get tired. One day we would get tired of living in sin and say, I want you back. And so he said, here's the way to make it back. And so this one that David spoke about who would not see decay and who, who would not stay in Hades, he says that God gave David access to see this because Jesus Christ was in his lineage. So verse number 33, therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God, meaning he has power and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord declared to my Lord. You see, David says, the Lord declared to my Lord and not the Lord declared to me. David says, the Lord declared to the Lord. Not the Lord declared to David. He says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That means that he's going to have power over his enemies. When you have your feet on your footstool, that thing's not going to move. It ain't going to do nothing that you don't let it do. So that Jesus is going to have power over the enemy. To humanity, the enemy is the adversary and sin. Jesus is going to have power over all that. Sin is what leads to death. And Jesus has power over that. And that's what's important in what Peter is saying here. That's important. What Peter is saying here. What does verse 36 read? Therefore. Therefore. Let all the house of Israel know. Let all the house of Israel know. With certainty. With certainty. That God has made this Jesus. That God has made this Jesus. Not Bar Sabbaths or all these other Jesus that exist in this time. He said this Jesus that died 50 days ago. God has made him. Not man. Not me, Peter. Not me, Chris Stevens. God has made him what? Both Lord Both and Messiah. Lord and and Messiah. That's what we have to understand. Jesus is Lord and Messiah. We're okay at times with Jesus being just one of those things. To be Lord means that he tells you what you need to do. He exercises, here's the definition, he exercises supernatural authority over mankind. Authority. We're not always okay with Jesus having authority over our lives because Jesus tells us to do some things that just doesn't mesh well with how we want to live. And so we say, Jesus, I want you to be the Messiah. I want you to be the Christ, but I'm not okay with you being Lord in my life. I want to keep on cussing and drugging and running women and men. I want to keep on loving and saying I'm in love and married to people who are the same gender as I am. I want to keep on going out and physically abusing people, physically abusing my spouse and physically abusing those people that I work with, talking bad to my bosses on the job, not doing the job whenever I'm clocked in. I want to keep doing those things. So I, I'm okay with you being Messiah, the anointed one who is to save me, but I just don't want you to be a Lord in my life right now. 
But Peter declares on this day of Pentecost that Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. And that's important. That's important. He has to be more than just Messiah. He's both Lord and Messiah. So that means that those things that you go through in your life that you just can't figure out why, why do I keep doing what I'm doing? Why can't I stop doing the things that I'm doing? He got the answer for it. You don't have to stress yourself out over how to fix these things because he has authority over your life. He knows the way. He is the way and the truth and the light. You don't have to live in darkness anymore. And he's sure enough to save you. Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. And so Peter preaches this message to this crowd preaches this message to this crowd. I want to go to Acts 2, verse 37. Acts 2, verse 37. When they heard this, uh-huh. they were pierced to the heart. Now, obviously, this message that is heard by these people, they were seeking truth. They were people who called themselves obedient to God because they would not have traveled from far distances some of these people traveled from Africa to Jerusalem. They would not have traveled these far dis distances if they were not faithful to God. So whenever they heard that they were guilty for the life of the Son of God, they said, man, this messed me up. And some of us, when we live in sin for so long, some of us, we don't know that we're doing wrong, but when we hear that we're doing wrong, we want to fix it. I understand that there are people in this world today who don't know that what they're doing is wrong. Those people exist. Do you know that? There are people living in sin that just, I'm just living this life because after I die, nothing's going to happen. But when you hear truth and someone who has an honest heart is going to say, how am I going to fix what I'm doing? And that's exactly what these people did. They said, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. They felt guilty. And said to Peter. And they said to Peter. And the rest of the, and apostles, the, rest of the apostles. Brothers, uh -huh, what should we do? They said, what is it that we need to do? What do we need to do to fix this? What do we need to do to find salvation? What do we need to do to get back right with God? Because right now we understand, we know that we are guilty and living in sin. We can't do anything about what it is that uh, sin has done to us. We can't do anything about it. And we understand and we believe that Jesus is the Lord and Messiah. So what do we do next? Peter replied, uh -huh. repent and be baptized. Peter replies to them two things. Repent, repent. Baptized. And be baptized. Peter doesn't say to them, I need you to come to the altar and say a special prayer. That's not what Peter does. Peter doesn't say, all right, everybody stand up and repeat what I say. You don't find an example for that. And I say it with love because this is the things that are being repeated to people outside in this world. Just, just accept Jesus into your heart. That's not what Peter said. That's not what Peter said. Just keep on doing what you're doing, but just bring Jesus into your heart. That's not what Peter said. 
Peter said the first thing was to repent, change your heart, to change your actions. You can't stay the same and find salvation. You can't. And yes, sometimes it is hard, but you cannot make the decision to stay the same because you won't find salvation. And then he says something else. He says what? Each of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, now don't skip ahead on me. He says repent and what else? Be baptized. Be baptized. This word here literally means to be buried. When he spoke these words in their language, it was not a word that meant literally to be dipped into water. It meant to be buried. If somebody had a dog at this time and a dog died, they went and they baptized the dog. I put an ED on a Greek word. That's not how it works, but they baptized the dog. They buried the dog because the dog was dead. That's what you did with dead things. You buried them. So think about this for a moment. I want to pause here because we don't often take a lot of time on this because we say this and we read this off to people and we say, now how is it that you don't understand this? Repent and be baptized. It's simple. We need to be better explainers of this thing. Take your minds back to week number one in the garden when God created humanity for a purpose and created us in his image. When he created us, he said what? It is good. God created something that was good and that was made in his image. But it was distorted when we allowed created things to have dominion over us. So God said, I got to fix this because I want to be in relationship with them. He doesn't need to be in relationship with us. He wants to be in relationship with us. So that means that because we're distorted by sin, something's got to die. We must allow for our old selves to die, who we used to be, to die. And then when we're buried, we meet the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus makes a new thing, a new creation. Keep reading this right here. Re li listen to what Paul says, or Peter. Repent and be baptized, he each says, of you. He says, repent and be baptized, each one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, uh -huh. for uh -huh. the forgiveness of your sins. It says right here that everything that you have done up until this point in your life will be forgiven. That means that when you stand before God on the day of judgment, God is not going to bring up what happened before you were baptized. And then he says, that's not all. Keep reading. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, he said here that it's not enough that God forgives your sin. God doesn't just want to be in relationship with you. But when you repent and you are baptized, you don't just dwell with God, but God now dwells within you. So it's not like the Garden of Eden to where we have to be envious of Adam and Eve because they walk with God. God now lives in Christians. And the Holy Spirit is a comforter. He is a teacher. So when I don't know what to do, I can call on God. I don't even have to have the words. He can tell God what it is that I mean. And God is going to send that help because he now dwells within me. 
And he lives in each and every Christian in here. And that is something to be thankful for. And if he does not live within you, I want you to understand that it is a beautiful thing for God to live in you. And you cannot be saved if you are not a Christian. Please, please think about eternity. Keep reading that there. For the Receive promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit for. The promise is for you and for your he children. He said it isn't just for you people that are here today. It isn't just for those who showed up for the day of Pentecost who were faithful. It's for those folks who said, I'm not faithful enough to come to Jerusalem. It's for them too. And who else? And for all who are far off. It's not just for your children, but it's for those who are also far off, meaning those who are children of Israel. It's for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done in your past, how bad you've been, how bad you think you are. God still wants you. And when you decide to want God back, there is access through Jesus Christ. And for all who are far off, keep reading. As many as the Lord our God will call. Keep going. So we see here. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul describes this, this process of renewal. And he says here in 2 Corinthians 5.17, what does he say? Therefore, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, what? He is a new creature. He is a creation. new creation. The old has passed away. The old has passed away. And the see the new has come. And see the new has come. I want you to understand that I don't care. God doesn't care what you've done in your past. When you are baptized, the old you is gone and passed away. And you're a new creation in Christ. People may remember the bad and messed up things that you used to do in your life, but I need you to understand that it doesn't matter what they think. God sees you as a new creation. The old you was baptized, buried in that water. When you met the blood of Jesus, all that stuff was gone. But I used to do, it doesn't matter. But I've done so much wrong, it doesn't matter. When you meet the blood of Jesus, he is Lord. He is Messiah. He has the power to get rid of all that. He is the one who was chosen by God for this purpose. And he did it without sin. Face every temptation that you face. Every temptation. Think about those temptations that go through your mind on a daily basis. Jesus faced them. That's why he has the power. Let's go back to Acts 2. Acts 2, verse number, go to 40. With many other words, uh-huh. he testified and strongly urged them, saying, uh-huh. Be saved from this corrupt generation. Keep going further, 41. So those who accepted his message were baptized. Those who accepted, and I want you to understand that if you don't accept the message of the gospel, You can't be saved. You can't say, okay, it sounds like a good idea. Let me give it a shot. You got to believe it. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Christ, is the Messiah, that he did die for your sins, that he did rise from the dead, or else it means nothing. They accepted the message, and they were baptized. And it says that that day, about about 3,000 of them were added to them. Were added to them. And the them is talking about those who are already faithful to God. 3,000. 
Now I can tell you, more than likely there was a lot more than 3,000 people there. There was a lot of people that would show up for these festivals. And I say that because everybody that you talk to and present the gospel message to is not going to believe it. Don't be discouraged by that. It's your job to, to sow the seed. It's your job to sow the seed. That's your job. Verse number 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I love that they, that they left this here. To the you fellowship. Know, because it could have just ended at verse number 41. They were baptized, they were saved, and then they went on about their lives. The end. But it doesn't end there, does it? Verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Pause right there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They didn't just say, thank you, God, for the salvation. Now let me go live my life. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which was God's teaching. And what Jesus had left for them. They didn't just say, God, thanks for the salvation. I'm not going to study your word. I'm not going to live it out. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. Because some of us think that we can do this thing by ourselves. We think that we don't need the fellowship of other Christians. But Christianity is not a singular activity. It's not, it's, it's not a philosophy that involves one person. They had fellowship with each other. They stayed there from their homes living with each other. For a Christian to say that I only have to show up on Sunday mornings is not a right thing. Because you ain't involved with God's teaching. You're not involved with fellowship. Breaking the bread, prayer. You try to do this thing on your own, you're going to mess it up. If you try to do it on your own, you're going to mess it up. We are not enough by ourselves. Peter finishes off this message. He says that in verse 42. To the fellowship, uh -huh. to the breaking of bread, uh -huh. and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. That's good. Peter here presents this message to those who ask the question, what do I do? And they're ready to want God back. Because understand that you have to want God back. This isn't something that God is going to do for you. God is not one who forces you to do anything. God is not going to force you to be saved. He would like for you to be saved. He strongly desires for you to be in a relationship with him. But he's not going to force you to do it. We find salvation through baptism. Three points that we had on today were we need help. Jesus is both Lord and Messiah, and we find salvation through baptism. Throughout this sermon series, my goal was to show God's original intent for creation. In showing that, I want to show how we fail and how we continue to fall as mankind. I want to show how sin works, how sin starts off as something that is nothing and grows into death. I want to show God's plan for the whole world and how we can spread that message of healing to the whole world. And we all in here need to understand God's process for being back in relationship with him. This has been the gospel according to Michael Jackson. If you're not a Christian on this morning, I want you to understand that God has something special for you, and it is called salvation.
It is called eternal life with him. And understand that after you leave this earth, it's not over. It's not over. Everybody has an eternal life after this. It's just who you're going to be with. To be without God is to be just to die all over again. But what you must do is you've got to hear the message of God, which is the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came to this earth, died, was buried, and he rose from the dead. That is good news because that means that if we're in him, we can do the same thing. You must repent of your sins. You cannot stay the same. I know that it's difficult, but you can't stay the same. You can't. you got to change your mind first, and that leads to change of actions. We have to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. When Jesus did so, it cost him his life on this earth. When he says, I am, when he said that, it cost him his life. We must be baptized for the remission of our sins as well. It is a burial in water where we meet the blood of Jesus. It's a reenactment of the gospel where we go in as us. We go under, we meet the blood of Jesus, and we come out new creations in Christ. And that's great news. That's great news. If you need to be baptized on this morning, come forward. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Today is the day to be baptized. Today is the day to get rid of all that baggage called sin that you're carrying around. Today's the day to do it. If you stand in need of prayer, ask for prayer today. If you're a Christian already and you need to repent of your sins, repent of your sins, start out with a clean slate before you walk out of here. Now is the time as we sing the song of invitation. Living below in this so sinful world, hardly a comfort can afford. Oh, we'll strive in alone. 